This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. So the, the Shir's Aksuba, the reason it has nothing to do with Thanksgivings, I'm, if you've scratched your heads to figure out any collection activities, there is none. But um, just because we're learning Subas and Yeshiva, I, um, I want to go through a little bit something that's very much part of our life. And now, it's, the topic was what exactly promise your wife. Let me tell you that next time, don't sign on something unless you know what you're signing on. If you need to find out now what you promised, that's a little late. But I'll go find him. Um, oh, there are people who are not married yet. There are people not married yet. Okay, good. Um, or, the, um, and the irony is we don't sign. Uh, I mean, some, some people have a custom to sign. Um, in halacha, a signature on a contract is not. It's adim witnessing a Kenyan. So, so let me um, go over and sort of encapsulate what the Rambam says, for those who didn't have time to learn. Just encapsulate it, and then we'll get a sense of what our ksuba looks like and how it reflects it. The Rambam, and once again, the Rambam is always a summation of the Gemara. Sometimes that requires a certain weighing of things, but it's not as if the Rambam is machadish all these things. The Rambam is just simply, um, it's just a very, very convenient way of summing up the Gemara. Chazal made a takana that when a woman gets married, there are um, certain obligations of the husband to the wife. The, the Torah obligates certain things. The Torah says, Sher ksus vonoso lo yigra that you have to buy food, clothing, and conduct normal physical relations. That the Torah said. That's the only part that's clear in the Torah. There is another word used in the Torah. It says, Mohab Sulim, Kemora Sulim. It says if somebody is, um, if somebody uh, either forces a woman or seduces a woman who's a psula, he has to pay her a fine that's equivalent to more hapsulas, which literally means dowry of a psula. Some take that to mean that that's, that's, an, that's a sort of obligation. The Torah is hinting at that. And that would mean that there's a certain amount that we'll call um, a dowry of sorts that is obligatory. And many shittas hold, most shittas probably hold not, that it is not obligatory. It's a, it's the, the, the Torah did not require that. The Torah only required Shekhsus for Nasa. The Chachamim, seeing that husbands have a tendency to lose it and get upset and divorce their wives very easily, which is not good, they decided to put a speed bump and uh, make it a little bit more difficult. Nothing works as well as money. And it would, it, it, so when you get married, if, if you divorce your wife, or if you die, she, is, she has um, a sum of money which was called 200 zuz. That is ksuva. 200 zuz, that's the main part of ksuva. It's meant to be, um, it's meant to be the amount of money that roughly was a year's worth of parnasa. You could live on a very, very low center of life for a year. So it means, A, it's an impediment for her, for him to divorce her, even if he flies off his handle, but money is money. Secondly, um, if, God forbid, she becomes an almana, she has some support. She can take from the estate 
straight off that amount of money. The 200 zuz is halachically, it's the amount of money that determines whether you're a pauper or not. In terms of collecting tzedakah, 200 zuz is the cutoff amount. Um, and that's roughly, again, it's roughly was equivalent in those years to what the person needed for a year to live on. And for those who like gematrius, tzedakah is gematria 199, and this is one, one more than tzedakah. Um, you know, if... Uh, Somebody, if somebody has only 199, you can give him as much money in one shot. The minute he has 100, 200, he's not a stalker case, and that, that's the halacha, that's the cutoff point. So they made a takana of ksuba 200. They also added that an almana or a grusha, a divorcee or an almana that got married, and gets 100. That's the main part of the ksuba. So, um, the Ramam said was that when so Ramam says when you get married, you now become obligated in a bunch of things. One is this ksuba. Then there's if we took a look on page two and three. There's a whole list of let's go through very briefly, bays and gimel. The bays and gimel. The it says. If you marry anyone, in other words, you make the transition from Erisin to Nesuin. In the old days, um, we do it today also, except we, don't, we do it without a, a time gap. You first say Hariyat Mukadeshes, that's stage one in marriage. At that point, you are married, you're not going to live with anyone else, and so on. You need a get. And then when you do the Nesuin, which is the Chuppah, the Yichud, that's the full marriage, and that's called Nesuin. So the Rambam here says, when you do that Nesuin, Yishayev Basar you become obliged in, with in ten things, V'yizkev Arbedvarim, and you receive four. In other words, Chazal wanted to create a structure for a common financial setup, the husband bears more of responsibilities, obviously. He traditionally was able to work more. He's, he, he was stronger, and, uh, you know, and he, it was his business to have more input. And he gets back as a sort of a, uh, the Chazal want to be fair. They, they sort of gave back four elements. Vasar, of those ten items that, that he's obliged, there are three menatayra, she'era's food, Ksusa is clothing, Onasa is to live with her as normal. Vashiva Medivre Seifrim. And there are seven things that he is obliged to provide for her, rabbinic obligation. Vikulat Nai Bezenheim. Kulat Nai Bezen is a critical word. It means whether he obligated himself and he actually said, I'm giving it. Or even if he did nothing, tonight Bezden means it automatically, it's statutory. Whether you spoke about it, agreed to it, whatever it is, that clicks in automatically. That's an important thing to remember. So these seven things are going to be automatic, whether or not he spoke about it. Echidmen Ikaksuba. One of them is called Ikaksuba. That's the 200 we spoke about. The other ones have a lesser standing, and they're called Tnaik Suba, which means elements of the Ksuba, 
uh, so to speak. The Elohim, Lerapoisem Cholsa, medical insurance, Liftoisem Nishpis. I want to just kind of make a statement about this. Um, usually, when a couple gets married, a young couple gets married, you know, the first time round and so on, these things seem to us obvious. But, and, you know, I, I mean, obviously everything is kind of shared and so on. Usually that's not something people think about. But when there's a second marriage at an older age and people have different assets to start with, and then one of the sides gets zapped or a big medical bill, um, that's where, in, in fact, friction starts. You know, it's very few people um, are in a situation where they get married and they say, I don't care if my wife uh, is sick. But when there's prior, prior assets, so, I mean, why should I take care of that problem? The, I mean, very few people are, are so mean to say, I don't mind if the person dies, but many people are, why should this person, he or she is a millionaire, let them take care of themselves? So he's uh, obligated medical expenses, to bail her out if she's captured, funeral expenses, um, let's say uh, somebody dies, a woman dies, and the husband says, I don't particularly care, let the community pay for it, the, the community can take it out of his assets, he's obliged. On the other hand, let's say somebody's sibling, dies, something like that, um, he's not obliged um, the, the you know the community might try sanctions if he can afford it and, they, and he wants it, but he's not. It's not an automatic obligation. If let's say the husband dies and she chooses not to cash in on her ksuba, she has the option to remain in the house, and as long as there are assets, she gets to live off the assets you know, for daily expenses. So, so as long as she stays in the house and she does not, she has the option of drawing out of the household. As soon as she picks up a ksuba, she leaves. It's, it's like a difference between a lump sum and an annuity. She, she has that choice. Um, any daughters that she has from him, um, are, are, live off the estate until they become engaged. And then one more. This is something that's not really relevant to us. If somebody is married to two wives, so there's a bonus that, that, that he writes in the Ksuba that your male children will get an extra part equivalent to the ksuba writing to you. So if he particularly likes her and he gives her a very big ksuba and she had died before, her male children will inherit a bigger portion of their estate than they would deserve as being sons because their mothers... So this is relevant only when there are two wives or so. And, okay, so those are the ten things that he's obligated to her. The four that he gets, the Rabbanan made it. It's a counter takana to make sure, you know, nobody likes to feel, wow, I'm giving everything and there's nothing in return. So, anything that she earns under normal circumstances, if, if, if she works extra hard, and Chazal define it as something like beyond, like beyond what normally work, 
she um, the money does not go to him, but normal salary goes to him. She finds things, and everybody knows women always find mitzias. So that's and except most of them we don't particularly care for. So I'm not sure that we're. This is a very important piece. Um, let's we'll go back to it in a second. And if she dies while he's alive. He's the one who inherits her. It was not to have been that way. In the Torah, a husband and wife do not have, they don't, they don't inherit each other. The Rabbanan made, uh, because he's, there's so much of his assets coming in, that's, that's why they made it that way. Before I explain, I want to do four. A final phase is, Sheyu Maisi De Isha Kineged Mezonaseho. Chazal gave the woman an added benefit. And they said, let's say a woman comes in and she's a real mutzlachas. She earns a half a million dollars a year. And he's not such a mutzlach and he earns a hundred thousand dollars a year. So he'll say, don't worry darling, I'll take care of you, I'll support you. Here's ten thousand dollars for support, uh, I want your salary of $500,000. Hazal said, she has the right to call it. She can say, yes, I'd like to be supported, and anything I earn will go to you. Or, she can say, Tumish um, Kentavis, keep your $100,000, I'll take care of my finances, I'll give your finances. And so she has the option in all of these three cases to call it, and to say which one she wants. I want to go back to that piece we skipped because that's going to be critical in another in another point also. He says he can eat the Paris of an Echassim in her life, which brings us to another element called Nadun, um, Nidunya, dowry. Um, the way it's written in the Gemara, the way it's spoken about, is slightly different than what we would, um, what we would, uh, what we assume. The dowry is as follows. A woman comes into marriage with assets. Let's say, let's talk about something like, let's say she has a pickup truck. A kind of tomboyish lady. She has a pickup truck that you can use for deliveries and schlepping stuff and so on and so forth. If she brings it into the marriage, it's written up. It's written into the ksuba. Not practically, we'll see about what our civil looks like, but it's, it's sort of written in, and there are two arrangements that the rabbis envisioned that he can choose to be fair about it. So let's say she comes into marriage with a fleet of taxi cabs, and he then, if she brings that into the marriage, in other words, that's part of what makes her, um, that's part of what makes her very, a very attractive shidduch, uh, I, you know, it's, I can see in a resume, you know, this is Ismailis, a fleet of 25 cabs. Um, the husband, though, he, he, he can use it for business while they're married. And he can make use of it. So let's say, let's say, let's take something that's more Jewish than taxi cabs, houses. She's, she comes from a very nice real estate uh, family, and she comes in with 25 apartment buildings. If she brings into the marriage... She presents it as such. He can now take the rent. That becomes income for him. However, there are two ways in which he ensures that the assets don't remain his. 
One arrangement is called nirse milug. That's the most common arrangement. When the marriage is over, whether because of divorce or or widow or widowhood, then you get the buildings back as they are. They may have gone up in value. Um, you know, it might have been a, a, an outlying farm someplace, and today it's 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 in town. Real estate tends to be that way, and depreciation becomes hers. On the other hand, you could depreciate building that's been used for a long time. It is worth a lot less, and the depreciation is hers. That's called nirse milug. There's a second arrangement called nirse tzon barzel, which means iron sheep, steel sheep. He says, let's evaluate what it was. It's worth, those buildings are worth $10 million. When the marriage is over, you get $10 million back. Um, if the housing went up, uh, I gained, my estate gained. If the housing went down, you gained. So those are two arrangements. But this is another element in, in, the, in the finances of the marriage. The, the asset she brings in as a bonus to the marriage so that he can use it for business and, and, and development and so on and so forth. Um, he ensures it, the default insuring is nirse milug, that as whatever the value is when the marriage is over, that's what you get. Or he can do it some basel. Those are the basic elements of the finances between a husband and a wife. The 200 and the 100, whether you wrote the, the, the main part of the exuber, those 200 zuz, whether you wrote it or you didn't write it, it's there. It's automatic. That's very important to remember. It doesn't make a difference if you gave her a ksuva or not. At the, these are the obligations. All of these elements. He also may add money, which is, let's say he, let's say he particularly wants to show his affection for her, and he says, I want to add another thousand sus. He may do that. Obviously, it's not automatic. B, um, the nodding part, what it is that, he, that she brought into the marriage zone is obviously also not automatic because there's no way to know what, when, and how. But the other things, whether you write it or not, it's automatic. The rabbis felt that a woman is still not comfortable with the idea that it's automatic. People like to see things in writing. Um, what's right in some abstract sense that he's going to have to give you X, Y, or Z, uh, people don't feel so, so comfortable with it. The technical lotion is like some chadaita. She's not comfortable with it. So the Chachamim said, you need to give it in writing. And if you don't give it in writing, you're not going to live with her. It's actually a problem. Sometimes a woman loses a ksuba, so technically they shouldn't even have yichud until they write a new ksuba. There are B'diavid eights is what to do, um, but it's it's not it's happened. Um, it's uh, a friend of mine was Masada Kedushin. He got a frantic phone call at some weird hour in the morning that she can't find the ksuba and she doesn't know where it is and she's at a wit's end because at a chasna everybody's thinking about everything but the ksuba. So she gave it to her mother. Mother gave it to the daughter to hold. The, the daughter gave it to the best friend. And the best friend put it down with the presents and forgot this and gave us where it is. It's a problem. It's a very big problem because halachically you're not allowed to be misyachet with your wife without a ksuba. Chazal say because this, the woman doesn't feel that commitment without a ksuba, it's almost like it would be znus. It's almost as if it would be a casual relationship. Very fascinating. But that as it is, is, is the ksuba the way it is in principle. 
is that what's in writing by us? And the answer is no. And let's take a look at page 6. Page 6 is a very, very not fancy ksuba. Um, uh, let's call it an unadorned, bare minimum, no frills ksuba. I guess different marriages call for different styles. And this is, this is the words of the ksuba, the way they are, the way we have it, without all this stuff. Fine. On page 7 and 8, what I did was I, um, I paragraphed it. In other words, I divided it into paragraphs and uh, of, of meaning. In other words, it is, so there's 13 different points which are important and meaningful. I, I'm not going to go in order. I want to start with the main part and, and then work our way backwards. To see it more um, from its, its structure point rather than, than the sequence of the words. Let's take a look um, at okay at page. Let's take a look at number two. Um, yeah, let's say two. Eich shabocha Yaakov ben Yitzchak shechia amol aladop The things in black letters are the things that vary from suba suba. The names, the dates, etc. I use names simply because it's, so it's, it's, we can get the sense of whose father, whose son, really easy. told a psula, I would like you to be my wife in accordance with Jewish law. Now, what's, what's he promising? Three. I will eflach means to work the fields, like in modern falahin fedahin is a falach is is to work um, Arab peasants who work the land are called falachin. Ve'oyker I will respect ve'ezen va'farnes lechi I will um, provide you with parnasa kehilches guven yudayin as is the halacha. Or as the as the norm for Jewish husbands, the falchin they work umaykrin vizan and finance Hashem bekushta, they honestly support and and respect their wives. This actually is not as simple as it looks, and it's discussed in halacha the following way. Um, certainly, we saw that any money you earn needs to go to her support. In other words, a person is working as an accountant and he brings in $100,000 a year, he has to be Mephanis' wife, like that would be so far. It's one of the suba. There's no, no, no question about that. Let's say he's an accountant and there's no work for an accountant. And instead he's basically doing nothing. He's drifting. He, he lives off occasionally. People invite him for a cup of coffee and, 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 and a donut. You know, everyone's got their own alternative lifestyle. He likes it. His wife says... Get a job and bring home money. Does she have a taina? Can she force him halachically to do that or not? If he earns money, he says, can she force him to go around collecting for her? Say, okay, it's very nice if people invite you for coffee and donuts, but it's, you know, make the rounds and bring home money so that I also have coffee and donuts. It's a halachic shayla, and some feel that the implication of the ksuba, that the ezer fine is, a falach is the normal lifestyle where a person is a farmer, and 
he works the fields, and he um, and he, and the Pratus is, is his wife as much as she needs, you know, to live and so on. But the addition of Ezevafarnes, many poskim feel that the implication of that is like the shita that you're obliged to do something proactively, even if it's not something you want to do, even if it's not something in your line of work, even if it's not the Kovadik, whatever it is, you have to proactively. That's a shaila that's arisen, and someone, so that's one. So one is this working and being a farnesser. Four. V'yahivna lechi mo'ab sulaychi kesev zuzi mosen dechazin raisa. And I have given you this dowry, the Moab Sulaichi, which is um, which is Kesef Zuzi, and in silver Zuz, Masan two hundred. I, the reason why two hundred is black is because if it's an almana, it would be a hundred. The Chazelichimidaraisa that the Torah entitles you to. This actually is something which is not black and white. We just saw before that many opinions, if not most, hold that Ksuba is a Drabonan. So what does it mean that you deserve Midoraisa? Sfardim do not have that in Ksuba. It doesn't say, I have a Sfardi Ksuba in the back also. I have some, there are some interesting Ksubas here. It doesn't say the Chazilichi Midoraisa, because it's a Drabonan. So let me tell you what Ramos says, and it's very significant. What are the differences? We're not Karaites. So what the rabbi said is as good for us as what the Torah said. We, we, most of the things we do, most of the religious activities we do, lul of uh, all seven days, except for the first day, is Rabbonin. Uh, you know, uh, davening is Rabbonin. Uh, Baruch Hashem, we, we, we keep Rabbonin. The difference is the value. Any monetary obligation the Torah, the Zuzim use, are worth eight times as much as what's used for Rabbonin. That's a standard. Anytime Rabbis Pidyan Aben uses a higher standard and things that are Rabbanan uses a lower standard. It's a certain type of coin that was used. So the Ramah says, even though we paskin that the obligation is rabbinic, we hold la halacha that the, the, that the value is a derisive value. So this is one point of interesting discussion in Paskin. To give you a sense of how little the ksuba is worth, and it's a problem. So this is sort of the core ksuba. It's saying, I'm giving you more. How much is 200 sus worth today? So the kalal is, in all Torah, Torah monetary standards, one of the tricky things is, what is the monetary standard? I remember, I, I was in Israel in 1970, and there was always, the shekel was always dropping. It wasn't a shekel, it was called the lira. And the lira was always dropping. In those days, they had an artificial, they had an artificial um, exchange rate, which was set by the government. There wasn't a free market. There was a flourishing black market, like, which is always, whenever the government sets things, there's always a, a great black market. So it was set, when I came to Israel, I think it was three lira to a dollar. On the black, on the black market, it got to be five or six. And then the government would make an announcement that they are now devaluing the lira, but they're going to be terribly, terribly strict with all the black market people. And, you know, this, this, would, this was a game that is always, the, the, the lira is always dropping this and that. Um, some Israeli comedians said, you know, he said, I, I don't say the Americans, he said, the lira is such a stable currency 
the dollar every day it's, it's a different price. It's higher and higher. He says it doesn't have the stability of the Israeli lira. <laughs> the the um, we need a standard. What is money? The Torah um, considers kesef, silver, to be money. And kesef is kesef, you know, and then there's a reason why money is called silver. The reason probably was silver was a precious metal, but much more common than gold. Gold was very hard to make coins out of gold. It, you know, it was very rare, very expensive. You know, you, you can't carry around a $100,000 bill in your pocket. So uh, gold is too rare and too expensive to be considered currency. Currency needs to have some flow. Silver was the right, uh, the right metal, and that created, uh, um, and, and that was used as currency. So uh, the Gemara actually debates it, in whether silver or gold is the standard, Gemara at the end of the day, we hold silver as a standard, and everything we do is by silver. The problem is today, we're not linked to silver. And the value of silver, we know the amount, it's a weight, and we know it in grams and in ounces. The approximate value today of a ksuba for Bonan is something like $120. And if it's, if it's eight times that, it's $960. It, it, it fluctuates from day to day, uh, you know, a few pennies one way or another way. But that's just to give you a frame, which really created a problem. I mean, you know, how much is $120 a deterrent to, to, um, to, to getting divorced? I, um, I remember, <laughs> I always went, I have children who live in Farakaway and, and, and in uh, Lawrence, and this, whenever I drive back on the, on the, uh, Rockway Turnpike, there's a big sign, divorces starting at $239. And we always laugh, saying, ah, Metsia, it's not much of Metsia, like, you know, for $239. But Lemaisa, it's, it's, it's a problem. Um, there Did was. You say it, before that there has to be the amount of food for a year? That's what it was. So. But the Takana was 200 sous. And the problem is the intention and the application are actually two different things. There was a movement from the Rabbanut in, in 1945 in Israel to change it and to add a certain value. They, they, there was tremendous reluctance from Mel Shabbat and Briskarab especially. He felt that one should not change things that are, um, that are set, you know, like a ksuba. That's not the way to go with it. No, it's to make changes in the 200 cents itself it was very against, and what some people did was they add to it, which we can. We, we, we can add to it with Tosefis and get the same effect. Yes? That would be like inflation adjusted. Uh, whatever the equivalent that gentleman said, well, that, the, the food for a that, that begs the question what the standard is. Inflation adjusted, so if the standard was a few, you know, X amount of bread and herring and so on and so forth, that would be true. The problem is, the Chazal said it in silver. So even though, the, the, but the, what we're adjusting it is to silver. So if silver goes up or down, the silver goes up or down, and it stops being a deterrent. It's a problem. Okay, so, so the, now, there's, that's one element. There's another element. Um, let's look at um, seven. We write in one more thing. And she brought in assets from her father's house. 
whether silverware, goldware, jewelry, clothing, furnishings of the house, or bed, you know, um, stuff for the bedroom, etc. Hakol um, The chassan has evaluated it and given us. We spoke before about how much money do you owe when she leaves. So he has now accepted it upon himself. The word skukim, people make a big mistake. They think it means pure. I don't know what it means. Um, the, 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 the skukim is the name of a type of currency. The currency of skukim was one of the earliest versions of the mark, the German mark. And it was called skukim because it was the mark in pure silver. It was called marker. Um, I forgot the Latin word for silver. Somebody knows it. I don't. Uh, you know what? It's, I actually think it's printed in one of these places here. Agenti. What? Agenti. Agenti. Yeah, marker agenti. It was called the silver mark, and it was the pure version. So zakuk is the name of a currency. The um, so he said, okay, I also owe you a hundred zakuk for whatever you bring in. A hundred zokuk is not an insignificant amount. Depending on the Machlokas Chazanish of it varies between something like $15,000 to $15,000 to $25,000 approximately, depending on the different ways of, of reckoning the share. That's not an insignificant amount. Besides which, that's one half. Vitzavi Rabbi Yaakov Chasandanan and Reb Yaakov, our chassan, the word savi means desired, wished. Ve'hoisif he was he was gracious and added another hundred. He said, you know what, you were so nice, you brought in such a nice dowry. I'm giving you a bonus, another hundred. Two hundred. So now the sum is something between 35,000 to 50,000, depending on which shita. So, so that is the standard Ashkenazi sum to write in. This, this Nusach, even though she may have brought in a house that's worth a lot more than that, or she may not even brought in that, that's become the standard. In Ashkenazi Ksubis, this is the standard. We don't vary it. Um, if a person wants to add more, then we write it on a separate piece of paper and as a separate shtar. We don't change it. The Sephardim, we'll see maybe if we have a few minutes' time, the Sephardim do actually write in the amount. They also sometimes haggle at the wedding. It, it, it's a very, very, it's a mark of covet. My daughter, she's, she's not a Jewish princess, she's a Jewish queen. And um, less than a million dollars, I, I was at a wedding once. The, the, the boy was Chassidish, the girl was Sephardi, actually. And at the chuppah, I was a young boy, I was a yeshiva, I was 17, 18, and, and I couldn't believe it. There was screaming and yelling and, and, and going back and forth. Reb Chaim Shalevitz was a Sadakdushan, Reb Chaim Shalevitz was very wise. He heard both sides, nodded, and then he made some sort of compromise. He actually couldn't hear Reb Chaim, but he was very smart. He knew how to nod and, and, and tell this side, they're right, they're right, and he, he wrote in an amount, and, and that's it. The problem with it is, actually, there was a, a, a case in Rabbanut. So, you know, at a wedding, it's just a question of half a million, a million, you know, my... Da, 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 da. But God forbid, if you break up, 
What happens? And there was a story in the Rabbanut in, in Israel. Um, somebody got divorced from his wife. He remarried. Some smart friend of his said, you want to get back at your first wife? I've got a great idea. Write a million shekel. Like, you know, just flaunt it in her in face. So he listened to the wise words of his friend, wrote a million shekel. Then he realized he should have stayed with his first wife. And his first wife wanted him back. He wanted back. And his second wife wasn't thrilled with him either. And, but she said, we've got a written contract. Give him a second. He said, no, nah, I didn't mean it. I just meant to, 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 to taunt my first wife. And the Rav Lipp said, no way. And, and it sometimes, it, they, but it, it's, it, I think Rav Yosef has said, it came out against people who write these to show off. Because, God forbid, if there is a trash situation, you don't want this to become another bone of contention. Um, just usually, if, um, if a, um, in, in Besden, they will usually try to work out some, they're not going to go with the letter of, of the Ksuba, they'll try to work out something reasonable that will include the needs of both sides. But, but still, this is the basis. Let's just briefly you know, um, go through some of the other points. So this is really the main, the, those are the main points of what you're ob- uh, obliging. Let me just mention, um, five was, I will give you which is food, clothing, and needs, live together as, as is usual. Um, six is she wanted. She agreed to that. Seven is we spoke about bringing in this naden, this extra money. Eight is the tosefis. Nine is simply what he says is that all of his property that he has and will have are attached to to to, um, to, pro- to provide for the Ksuba. In other words, any property he has is a lien on his present property and future property to be able to pay up the Ksuba. Um, ten is that the Chassan is aware of the fact that this is a real obligation and it's not just kind of a, a, um, sort of written just for the heck of it kind of, but it's a real obligation. Eleven is an important piece. Many of you don't see, there's something that goes on in the Ksuba behind the scenes, um, so to speak. It's done either at the Tnoim in our weddings here, or at the Chup itself in Yisrael, or by Sephardim. The Chassan is Mechabal a Kenyan. In other words, he makes a Kenyan, like, like by Mechir's Chametz. They give him a handkerchief, and he lifts it up, and that becomes a Kenyan Chalipin. Why does he need that Kenyan for? What's that there for? Um, he's obliged, anyway, the Torah obliged him, and so on. So there are two reasons why you need to make a Kenyan. So in Masada Kedushin, in American weddings, the custom is to do it bef- after, before the Tanoim. When you're filling out the Tanoim and the Ksuba, the Chas is there, you bring over two witnesses, and the witnesses actually, when the witnesses sign an Ksuba, what they're saying, in, a, 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 a star in the Torah is a declaration by the witnesses. We have witnessed the fact that so-and-so has voluntarily obliged himself with this and this. We need it for the extra, for the hundred and hundred, that, to, to, that the obligation is created by his 
being Mikabal Kinyan. Without that, there is no obligation. The first 200 is obliged no matter what. It's not going to help him anything. But the second 200, secondly, there's another technical point that's very important. This happens at Hasnas certain times of the year. Halachically, if you predate a star, it is invalid. Post-dating is not a problem. So, for instance, let's say I borrow $1,000 from you, and I give you a star that's dated a day early. That star is worthless. Because what I could do is I could go and collect from properties that you had sold before, as if I had retroactively attached your, your property. You can't do that. So, so those stars are terrible stars. It's called the star muktam, and you are um, and the obligation and, and it doesn't, it's null and void, and it's wrong to hold such a star because you're holding potentially a fraudulent document. The document says you can collect all properties that were his on a certain date, and you can't. You're not allowed to hold a star like that. You have to burn it because it, it's it's as if you're holding a forged check in your possession. What happens sometimes at Hasna is you write the ksuba. You write today's date. You're sitting at, at 5 in the afternoon. It gets fashlep. The photographer's not here. The musician didn't, didn't tune his guitar yet. The, 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 the flower girls uh, are nowhere to be found. By the time you get around, it's after the shkia. Um, or after the zikachavim. He's handing her a sh- So they're getting married the next day. Not Thursday. They're getting married Friday. He's handing her a ksuba dated on Thursday. That's a puzzle ksuba. Not only is it possible, not a holding symbol like that. We get around it because he can oblige himself, even when he's not married, every he's Macabal Kenyan. Just like I can oblige myself to give you a thousand dollars, and when I make the Kenyan, that's when it's Chal. The, so the, we tell the Chassan, this is one thing Amsadak Dushan does, tell the Chassan, listen, no matter when the Chuppah is, so if it's 12 o'clock, you don't, you're not Chayshish, it's going to go till 6 o'clock and before the Chuppah. But, but, like, sometimes during the year, when it's touch and go, you know, in the winter, you do everything after the shkia because it's very late. You know, it, it, it's very early. The night's early. In the summer, in the long days. But sometimes, the times of the year when I know the problems are going to happen. It's 7.30 when you're right, or 6.30 or something, when you're at the ksuba, it's going to be before shkia and, and, and the chuppah will be afterwards. So the, the Kenyan makes that happen before. Okay, I just want to go through some of the, some of the things we have here. Just uh, th- those are the basic elements of the ksuba. Yes. From something you said before. Sure. The, the, the woman going into the marriage have the option of not declaring her assets and not. Yes. Yes. Assets. She has. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's just seen as being in, in the game, in the marriage game. It's seen to be advantageous. If she has assets that she can bring into the marriage, it makes her more desirable. You know, it's. Uh, Yes. In the kasuba, does the woman obligate herself uh, no. anything to the man? No. She, the obligations that she has are there, notwithstanding, and the husband doesn't need. Like we said before, the, the getting it in writing is more for the woman's peace of mind than it is for anything. So, like we said in the Ram in the beginning, she, she he has four privileges as regards her assets, but you don't write it out. And as we saw, we don't write out in Aksuba many of the points the Rambam says, because it's assumed, it's there. We write out the main points that we want her to have a document so that she feels comfortable, certain security level. Just so that for your information, the things I added, so that you'll have it. Page 9 is a Hebrew translation of the Aramaic Suba. Um, page 10 
is the Ksuba for the Vosi, which, um, which is, uh, the, the, the main difference is you must write in, if you'll take a look, like on the fourth line, it says, matrachta. By the way, all of these are taken from a sefer called Ksuba Kilchasa. So Dayan and Bnei Brak, I just, it was the easiest place to get it off the, the Yotzachachma. You say, this divorced woman. It's important to write it because in case she'll ever want to marry a Koyan, let's say her second husband dies, everybody says, oh, she's not money, she can marry a Koyan. You, you need to make sure that it, it, the Ksuba is also our most basic source of information about the status of the woman. Um, page 11 is a ksuba, if you find out that the first ksuba had a mistake in it had to correct it let me explain something, you can't just write another ksuba because you can't hold two ksubas you're not allowed to hold two ksubas because in a certain sense it gives her a, a possibility of collecting twice so, so we have to write in the fact that it's um, so we had a whole megillah here that's 11 page 12 is if you lose a ksuba that's an important ksuba. So, if a person, if, if you're doing a pesach cleaning and you find everything in the world in the house except for the ksuba, so if you really can't find the ksuba, you have to go to the rav and write a ksuba. And this is the nusach. It's called shtar ksuba de irkisa. The irkisa means lost. Lost. Yes, correct. Page thirteen is um, is very interesting. Page thirteen and fourteen are sfardi ksubis. Sfardi ksubis. Are um, they have the modern Sfardic Subis has have a whole bunch of things in the beginning, like a lot of psukim and nice things. That's obviously meaningless; it doesn't make a difference. But some interesting features of it are um, there's some variation in the spelling, which is not it, it, nothing. Um, the the um, Let's see. You see where the two line, where they have the two blank lines, like sach va'ola sach hakol bar mosayin zuzin chazlo atnoim sheistu beneim the chazlo law. It's about I say a third of the way down, forty percent of the way down on the right hand side, right under the word sach. Yeah. So he says hatnoim sheistu beneim shriyim v'kayomin kitnayb neigod meiruvei. All of um, all of the things they've agreed upon and finances that's been agreed on is is chal. It itemizes some of these obligations. Hadira be the the house in this place is the house you're going to live in. The, the inheritance is going to be the way it's normally done in Yerushalayim. You know, it has to be written in Yerushalayim, this one. He won't marry a second wife. Sfardim never accepted Rabbi Gershom's cherem. So he might surprise her for the anniversary and bring home another wife. And that's not a good surprise. So he says, He won't marry or even... Um, attempt to marry another woman without the express permission of Bezin. The reason. What? If it's not written in the Ksuvah, you could do it. There's no. There's no. Um, the person can marry two wives, make her din. Um, and Taimonim, my wife remembers when she was a young girl, 
her mother had an Ozeret, a cleaning lady, a Yemenite cleaning lady, very nice, who was one of two wives. And they actually got along. You know, she would say, oh, I have to pick up something from my other wife. That, that was her. Um, on the other hand, there was somebody in the mirror, a, a, a Persian, who was one of two wives, and it was a horrible, horrible arrangement, a very, very difficult arrangement. But, so you write in Mephorish that he can't do it. Um, he won't try in any way to seduce her, convince her, incite her, to, to forego any part of Ksuba. He's not going to pressure her into releasing him of any ksuba. Not some of it, not all of it, and nothing of the ksuba. And if she will um, forfeit any of it, it is not valid. In other words, we, we are we're now stating that there is that any forfeiting that she does is not acceptable. Um, one more interesting piece that is very controversial, but most fire the many fire do it. Let's look about four lines from the bottom. It says the chassan made was kind of with a kenyan, like like we spoke about. The chassan swore an oath. Kiaskaf is a handshake. Halachically, has somewhat the status of an oath. So he's taken upon himself, and they actually in some places do it, and some places are vehement against it. By Sfarim, they, they don't. Al das hamokim baruchu, the swearing by a kaddish baruchu, val das anishpoim beemis laashakav v'sav suba. That is belishum tshirutur tabuakas. So so he is swears, um, he obligates himself with a shvur that he will uphold the suba and not attempt to to change the meaning or intention, whatever it is. That's that's very famous, and some Sfaradim, that's a tradition, and, and today many Sfaradim are against it, because halachically it's a very, very difficult piece. Um, and then they have one more point that's different. The last line, um, they, they, uh, you, you write over here, the Chas himself signs the Ksuba. Halachically, the signing of witnesses is better than signing yourself. It's an, it's an additional kind of, you can't find the witnesses, you don't know, you can't locate them, you can't identify the handwriting, validate it. The problem it creates halachically is as follows, that um, if, you, if you have three people signed as witnesses, and one of them is not a good witness, he's a cousin, a relative, uh, a minor, it invalidates all witnesses. In other words, it's a package deal. If there's a problem with one of them, all of it goes. So the chas himself cannot be a witness. He, he can be the party, he's the principal, but he's not a witness. So adding his signature, unless it's very clearly designated as a separate entity, is problematic. Um, the second side, if you'll take a look, is also Sfari Ksuba. Without the, the piece that's different is, it does not have the part about a Shavua and a Pekias Kaf. Because that's the Sfarim, and most today is, is are the ones that don't do it. They they're the ones who actually are. You know, it's becoming dominant today that not to do it. it it's the rice. It's a very terrible thing to swear shvua, even if you mean it, and so on. So most of them leave it out. Um, when I got married, the ksubas I used was from the Yerushalayim. They had two things that today we don't have. They had the chasen signing, 
which are today no no consumers have a cost of signing, um, and I, I don't say no, but I say that's that's fallen out certainly by the Ashkenazim. They also had a condition that you can't leave Eretz Yisrael without your wife being masculine. That was sort of Eretz as the guardian of Eretz Yisrael, kind of. I think that that's also not something many people do. People stick to the old Nasser. Just, I guess, to finish off um, one more thing. Um, the standard, the, the safer that is most accepted for the validity of Ksubis, in, in other words, the, the, the reference, the point of reference for the difference in Nusach and so on, is a safer called Nachlas Shiva. Nachlas Shiva, we have it, they put it out now in a very nice edition of three volumes. Nachlas Shiva is like um, it, it's sort of the, the handbook for writing any halachic star. He doesn't have only ksuba, he has 40, 50 different shtaras, uh, business deals, every combination that you could think of, his, his is the standard. It's like the Mishubura, his is the Nachla Shiva. It's written about 200 some odd years ago. He also explains each point. In other words, each point that he has that it's not clear, he actually, he sort of goes through the, 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 the issues and the halachas and so on and so forth. That's today, when people say they have a ksuba, nachashiva ksuba, that's what they mean. Who is um, I forgot his name, but he's, he's an achin of about 200 years ago. Very, very Europe. famous. What? In Europe. Yeah, yeah, in Europe. Like it, it, 200 years ago, nothing in America, I assure you. Not even Washington, D.C. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's, <laughs> yeah. He's, um, it, it, that's the gold standard, so to speak, of, of ksubas. Um, and again, there's always room for some variation. I also added over here, um, page 16, 17, page, from 15 onwards, there's a wonderful sefer written by a big Kalmud Chacham. His name is Chaim Banush. He's a contemporary, somebody living. He's actually a Gera Chassid, a big Kalmud Chacham, and a very big scholar, actually. And he has written a sfarim on the, um, the standards in the Torah. Weights, measures, um, values of coins, time. He is extremely thorough, very, very extraordinary, good safer, too, too good for him. Samanim and Midas Mishkalos. He has here, he goes through the, the Zokuk, um, how much it's worth, how much it weighed, the Machlokesen, and so on. It's, it's just for, for information, it's a very, very good, um, it, it's, it's an excellent safer. Uh, he also brings, for instance, on it's my page 16 on the left-hand column. He brings the first quote that in, that in Ashkenaz um, we have a, um, a standard nusach for how much money you brought in, and so on and so forth. He he, he has the the best. He's very very good source material. And um, what on page 17 he also has. Um, the Ravan, who is very, very early Ashkenazi, uh, Rishon, who was the first one to write that the reason why we have the standard Nusaf for how much you add and how much dowry you, you evaluate it is, they said people were very sensitive. A poor color comes into a marriage with $100 worth of assets. You're not going to embarrass her and write she only came with $100 of assets and that's all she has. So we write a standard Nusach. If anybody has extra and a really a, a, a real value, he he um, you edit afterwards. Any questions? Any? Uh, just that, 
Yes. From the Dalaf floor, the floor, Sefer floor in Masechet Yeah. He says something very nice about the woods. That, by the way, it's his great great grandfather, I believe. No, you're you're from that family. You're not from that family. We're not from that family, but we're from. Okay. The yeah. His, he was a Horowitz. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So he writes in that Gomer that the word Ksuba. Yeah. He says because it says that Ish and Isha is Yud K. Right. Shon Beinem, Shchina Beinem. Right. The Yud K. He says, Yeah, they have it earlier than him. The Rizal says that they have it earlier. I've seen that quoted earlier, yes. Okay, good. I'm sorry. Who's the safer? This safer is a Yid of Chaim Banish. Banish. We have it in Yeshiva, based on Vav Shin. He wrote one. He's written a few really extraordinary stories. He's very clear and very organized and really knowledgeable. So he has one. It's called Shi'urim of Mishkalos of the Torah. That's his Midas Hashur Torah. He has one on time. On different zmanim, he put out a recent one on chasidus. Very good. In other words, the main ideas and things of chasidus in Svasemis. He's a gerus. So it's mostly that. He has one on dagada. Very, very pshat and, and very well constructed. So, okay, good. Okay.